day 95 welcome back to the windows and mirrors podcast my name is keith and i'm kim and this is a podcast where we're trying to show you that the bible is more like a window than it is a mirror we come to it to primarily see through it and see god not primarily to see ourselves all right so we're in second chronicles 5 and solomon has just com- uh finished uh, completing the temple, mm-hmm. right? But we're still talking about the temple, right? right? And what you see here in this text is that um, the Bible spends more time telling us about the significance of it mm-hmm. than the structure of it, right? Exactly. So in First Kings, we saw the super uh, ridiculously detailed uh, <laughs> account of the temple. But here, he's going to talk about Solomon's dedication of the temple and the prayer he offers after he finished. Exactly. And so, and I what I, what I want what I believe he wants to show us is that the significance of it is more important than the actual mm-hmm. exterior or what it looks like on the outside. Exactly. Just the details. And just, you know, again, connecting the dots, just the idea of the timing of this, mm-hmm. the timing being when they were already having the festival of shelters or of booths or mm-hmm. of tabernacles feast yeah. of yeah. are the terms that they use. And so people were already going to be there gathered. Mm-hmm. And at this particular time, when they're having this celebration, they also get to celebrate the temple being completed and dedicating the temple. Absolutely. And so Solomon starts off and he blesses Israel, right? Mm-hmm. He literally blesses Israel. Now, usually in the Old Testament, that's a priestly function. The priest's job was to bless the people of God. And um, Solomon is actually doing that here. He's acting as a priest, even though he's a king. Mm. That points to Jesus. <laughs> really cool stuff there. Um, but also, other than that, um, I just love the fact that Solomon says this immaculate prayer, right? It's and amazing. this prayer is amazing. And one of the things I think would be a good study or a good idea for people to do is to go throughout the Bible and just read the prayers mm. of the people of God. That's good. Um, I remember, yeah, reading this before, and I was just like, man, God's people have prayed a lot of the same things we we pray now, right? Mm-hmm. Centuries ago, they had these concerns, and God met them uh, where they were. Very good. And just the idea for here, right now, we see Solomon, as you said, mm-hmm. he blessed the people he prayed, mm-hmm. and God's response was this cloud that filled the temple. Mm, the His glory filled the temple. Yeah. And just their response to it, they were so overwhelmed with it and how it Joy, evoked, yeah. again, connecting the dots that you were talking about earlier with the clouds mm-hmm. um, and how the cloud led them throughout the wilderness for 40 years. Absolutely. Yeah. So God's presence is mm. literally here. So I, what I love here, though, uh, at the beginning, Solomon says, um, I have built an exalted hmm. temple for you, a place for your dwelling forever. Very interesting. Um, God, uh, Solomon says that this is your dwelling place forever, but we say God is everywhere. Exactly. Right? Hmm. But what he is saying is that he uniquely dwells among his people in a special way without failing to be omnipresent, without failing to be at all places and all times. And I think that's good news for us because some of us are afraid of mm. the future. And yeah. God is already there, right? Yes. And what lies ahead. But at the same time, some of us feel lonely. Right mm-hmm. in the present, and he is there, and he's there. He's there, and so I love how Solomon says that, but he knows that God is everywhere and eternal as well. So that's super cool. And then another thing I loved about this prayer was how much Solomon talked about forgiveness. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was just struck by the fact that 
you know, as Christians, we know they're like, all right, basic gospel. You learn when you're a kid. Jesus forgives my sins. I die on the cross. Um, but how radical and amazing that is. And the fact that, um, you know, he says it over and over. Like, would you forgive your people when they turn to the temple? Would you forgive them when they've messed up? Would you forgive them? Would you forgive them? No man is without sin. He says all these things. And um, it's crazy that uh, we kind of often overlook forgiveness until we need it. Exactly. You know what I mean? And it's just like, man, when we need forgiveness, that's when we're like, no, God, forgive us. But we should be praising God every single day that he forgives our sins, the sins that people will never find out, right, at church, right? Um, And the sins that we've been uh, shamefully exposed in, um, Christ has taken them all. And his, the fact that he repeats forgiveness, he also says repeatedly, Mm -hmm. may you hear. So as he's going through, especially in verse 36, it's like he knows that the people are going to blow it. Yeah. But he also knows who God is. He knows Mm. the character of God. And so he says, for he is good and his faithful love endures forever. So just this constant reminder of, I know they're going to blow it. They're going to mess up. But when they do, may you hear them. And then in your hearing, may you respond to them. And just this picture of... You have this king. Mm -hmm. He has people who are coming from all over to see his wealth, to get a picture of his wisdom. Mm. And you have this king who is in charge of everything around him. Mm. And the picture that you see is that he is worshiping God publicly. And so he is kneeling down. His arms are outstretched. And just imagine the picture that is for the people who are watching. That the man who you look to as your king Mm. realizes he is not sovereign, mm. that there is a king who is higher than he is, and he's mm. modeling to you Amen. what it looks like to bow down and kneel. And God responds to this and yeah. the people with allowing his presence to be felt and seen, yeah. the cloud being in the temple yeah. had to be overwhelming. Yeah, the temple was, uh, I, I don't think we can like, Kim, I don't think we can like overstress the importance of the temple for Israel's people. I, w- I, I wish we could time travel and talk to them about this temple because it was this huge reality for the people of God. It was the center. It was the center of their existence. And what's crazy is in seven, when they make all the sacrifices, we have this fire come mm-hmm. down. Right. And this is like mind blowing how many connections come with the fire. All right, so you remember God in in some ways like reveals himself with this like consuming fire. So we right. think about uh you know Exodus 3 when Moses mm-hmm. comes to the burning bush, we think about um you know uh, Genesis 15 when when Abraham makes the covenant and God is like, "No, I'm going to bless fire. you. I'm going to give you the sons." Mm-hmm. The fire comes down. We think about uh, sec- uh 1 Kings 18 when Elijah, right? And we even think about the New Testament, right? Mm-hmm. When fire comes, when, it's, when, they, when the text says it's like fire came down yeah. on the apostles. He was the pillar of fire and the cloud. Yeah, he was yeah. a pillar of fire by day and a cloud by night. So like mm-hmm. God is always revealing himself through fire. And we see here, he revealed that he accepted this temple. Exactly. And the sacrifices they were making because he consumed the sacrifices mm-hmm. with fire in chapter 7. And in the same place, this is the same place he provided the fire for David when wow. David bought this particular plot. Oh, yeah. He provided the fire there. Right after he messed up. But he yeah. also, we talk about the set, right, right after you messed up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But we also talk about, you know, earlier we mentioned that this was also the place where 
Abraham offered Isaac and mm-hmm. he provided the ram for the sacrifice there. Mm. So there's this idea of God providing what is needed in yeah. order like to show his pleasure with people. Um, and then chapter seven, we were talking about our verse. Our favorite verse. <laughs> so Second Chronicles uh, 714 you know, it's this, if, if, my people my will, people. if my people will humble themselves, pray and seek my face mm-hmm. and turn from their evil ways, then I will hear from heaven, forgive their sins and hear uh, and heal their land. Like that verse has been taken out of context a lot so much throughout like history, especially nowadays, it seems like. Mm-hmm. Um, but in context, yeah. What is this talking about? Well, he's when he talks about if my people who are called by my name, mm, that gives it away right there. <laughs> yeah. My name yeah. is the focus. And I think a mm. lot of times when we take this verse, when this verse is taken out of context, out of context. the focus is my people. And he's never, mm. as far as you, you know, when he talks about my people, the only time he's claimed a nation is Israel, mm. but we've been grafted in as his people. We Absolutely. are Abraham's seed because of what he did. So we are his Christ, people in yeah. that context because of belonging to Christ. Sure. But his focus isn't my people. His focus is my name. Like if you look in chapter six, when he was talking about these, um, the prayer, your name or God's name is referred to 14 mm. different times. The focus is my name, his attributes, his character, who he is. Yeah. And so he's saying, if my people who are called by my name, because when people look at you, mm. they see me. Yeah. And what will they see when they are looking at you? Yeah. Um, and even the idea of when he told Moses earlier that I am going to destroy the people, Moses didn't say, oh, they'll get it together. Mm. He said, no, what will they say about your name? What, what will they say name? about you? And so we have to realize that the focus here is not my people and how he's going to bless us. It's you need to realize that my name, my attributes, who I am, what people see, how they worship me is what's most important. Yep. That's a big theme throughout the Old Testament too. Mm. Like God. Repentance. Yeah. So, so so yeah, like a bunch of big themes. This is a a big time verse. It's just used improperly, right? It's like a a really good tool that you just don't know how to use, right? And so what he's saying, the name part, like I love that. It's more about his reputation, right? Mm-hmm. So, like, when he says, he's going to say in the Psalms, like, I've saved y'all for my namesake, right? right? For my reputation, for my own glory, right? That kind of idea is coming about. And then this humility and repentance is a theme that's going to come up throughout Chronicles, especially when he starts talking about the kings. They did not humble themselves right. before the Lord, right? All he's saying is uh, hu- a repentance takes humility, right? And this same gospel, mm. Jesus comes on the earth Right. Repent because the kingdom of God is at right, like so humility, right? Humility. Like, I remember Saint Augustine, uh, one of my favorite quotes by Saint Augustine, I say it all the time, is he says, The biggest, uh, the, the most supreme virtue for a Christian, the, the top three supreme virtues for a Christian, he says, Humility, hmm. humility, humility. <laughs> you know what I mean? And it's just so true, um, that yeah, we need to be humble before the Lord, especially when this is glorious as he's presented.